have done a good bit of running in your time. Uh, I would just ask you a question. Have you ever been running and got so tired at a particular point of your race or the course that you're trying to accomplish that you just felt like you absolutely couldn't go any farther? Uh, uh, the fact is, you probably could run farther, or at least a few steps further, but you allow yourself to start thinking about that, and the mental process uh, sets in, and maybe then you just stop, because you just think you can't go any further. Runners deal with that sort of, a lot of, there's a lot written about the mentality that runners possess who are very successful in going great long distances. You have to be able to have mind over matter, so to speak. You have to control your thought processes to keep going. Well, others maybe who are not runners, you've, you've experienced a similar sort of thing. Maybe you've been involved in a, in a very strenuous work assignment, some sort of task that you had to accomplish. Maybe it was a physical task, or maybe it was some mental task, but you got so tired, you got so weary uh, that maybe you just kind of quit because you begin to think that I can't go on any further. But whether it is a physical challenge, whether it is work, whether maybe you students in school, maybe some assignments you have that you just give up on because you just think you can't get it done. A lot of that's in the mind. The way you think about a thing and the way you approach it and your attitude is so very important. But weariness sometimes causes us to give up. And I want to suggest to you this morning that weariness can also cause us to give up spiritually and that's a great danger. In fact, the, the scriptures warn about growing weary. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, But ye, brethren, notice, be not weary in well-doing. Don't get weary in well-doing. Obviously, that indicates that the danger exists and that God is aware of the possibility that you might grow weary in this work of serving Him. And He urges you not to do that. In Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Notice again, don't be weary, and the, uh, so the danger exists, but notice why it's important not to grow weary. We shall reap if we faint not. And so the final reward, ultimately receiving the reward in eternity, requires us to keep on keeping on, not growing weary in well-doing. This morning, for a few minutes, what we want to do is we want to discuss this problem of growing weary and the possibility of growing weary. And we want to look at some of the thought processes that possibly lead to weariness or giving up. Just like we said, a runner running, if his mind starts to work on him, he, he may quit before he gets to the finish line because he just thinks he can't go any further. He's got to control that thought. He's got to keep on going. Same way spiritually. We've got to keep on going. We've got, to, we've got to defeat the thoughts that might cause us to try to quit. That's what we want to talk about in our lesson this morning. Thanks for being here. We're glad for every single one who's assembled this morning to worship God, to study from His Word. We're glad that you're here and we're encouraged by your presence. Uh, please uh, follow along with us carefully as we study through the Scriptures. Make sure we're using the Word of God accurately. And then what we've got to do, all of us, is when we see places to make application. We've got to be willing to make that application, and we, we need to uh, be determined to do that. Thank you for being here this morning. For any and all who are visiting with us, thanks for coming. Please come again whenever you can. Let's talk about weariness and well-doing, and what might be some of the reasons why we could grow weary. 
Again, I think it has a lot to do with our thought process. So let me suggest some thoughts that might promote weariness. First of all would be the mindset that I can't. Um, I just can't do it. I just cannot accomplish what has to be comp- accomplished as a Christian. You know, being a Christian is not an easy thing to do, at least being a truly faithful Christian. There are some people who wear the name Christian who are not trying very hard at all, who are not putting forth very much effort. But to be a truly faithful Christian uh, is, is not a, an easy thing. It's, it's hard work. And as the difficulties pile up, as, as you confront different obstacles in the way, it could be possible to think, I just can't keep going on. I can't do it. I just cannot do it. Well, how would we address that from the Scriptures? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul had the I can attitude. He didn't have the I can't attitude. He had the I can attitude. And I think that is so important. But notice, he didn't say that he could do that through his own main strength and determination, through just gritting his teeth and, and going on. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The Apostle Paul understood that he had the Lord's help in accomplishing the things that needed to be done. We need to have that same confidence. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Notice, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that that you are able. What's your ability? What can you do? He's not going to put on you more than you're capable of. He's not going to put on you more than you can do. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And so, I think sometimes we get weary. And we say, oh, I, I just can't do it. I just can't keep on keeping on. But you can. Uh, with the Lord's help, you can. And we have the promise that He will help us. And so, don't let that sort of thought process dwell. Uh, it, it may crop up in the, in the moment of a, a very difficult challenge that you're facing. It, it might cross your mind to say, I can't do it. But... God promises you that He'll be with you and that you can, and so we can overcome that. Some other people might think, well, you know, maybe I will let down a little bit here uh, because this is not really all that important anyway. If, if I let down a little, if, if maybe if I slack off in my service, maybe even if I sin just a little bit, just do, do a few things, or maybe even just one thing that I know that I shouldn't be doing. It's not that important, is it? If, if I miss an assembly, you know, if I do something else instead of coming to an assembly, is it really all that important? Uh, if, if I let my example slip a little bit, you know, some of the people who know me know that I'm doing some things that I shouldn't be doing. Uh, is it really that bad? Is it really all that important, you know? Uh, overall, I want to tell you, overall, I'm a pretty good guy. Overall, I do, do, do better than most, maybe. But if I let down just a little bit here or there, is it really all that important, you know? Because I'm pretty, I, I get pretty weary of trying to keep, keep everything, you know, elevated, keep everything where it's supposed to be all the time. If I slip just a little bit, is it really all that important? The answer to that is yes. It is just that important. In Titus chapter 2, Beginning verse 13, Paul says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Notice, 
who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. What I want you to do is concentrate right here on the price that was paid for your redemption. The price was, of course, Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his precious blood there. Therefore, your redemption is a very valuable thing. And it is a big deal if you would tarnish that at all by letting down, by being weary and saying, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Maybe think about it this way. Let's say you go out and buy a brand new car. And I'll tell you, I don't care what car you buy. If it's brand new, it's expensive. And so you spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a, on a brand new car. And you, and you drive it to Walmart parking lot and you pull in a parking spot and before you can even get out, the guy next to you slams his car door into the side of your car. Your brand new car. I mean, absolutely brand new. You just spent thousands of dollars for it. And he puts a big ding there where he slammed his door into yours. He didn't even care. And you say, hey, wait a minute, friend, look, look what you just did to my car. He said, it's not that big a deal. That's just a little mark. It's not that, well, maybe not so big to you, but it's big to me. I just paid thousands of dollars for this car, right? If, if you would have that reaction to a door ding on your new car, which I think is not unreasonable to have that reaction, then we ought to really understand how important it is, our salvation. And the tremendous price paid for our salvation means it's a big deal. And I can't let down. I can't grow weary. And I can't have this attitude. It's really not all that important. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says, Ye are a chosen generation. God chose us uh, through His eternal plan. Uh, as we believe and obey, He chose us to be His children. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Notice, what for? that ye should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He chose us. We're supposed to show it. And it is a big deal we cannot let down. And so don't grow weary with the possible thought process saying, I don't think it's all that important. It is that important. Someone else might grow weary by saying, I just don't think it's doing any good. What's the use, you know? Day in and day out, we try to do this, you know, we try to do that. We read our Bibles, we pray, we try to talk to our neighbors. Several times a week, we come to worship assemblies, and I just don't know. Uh, is it doing any good or not? And maybe I should just give up and stop trying, because it doesn't seem like it's doing any good. Well, uh, again, that's faulty thinking, because it clearly is doing good. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, at verse 14, beginning, Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. Notice, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You are. You are showing forth uh, the will of God. You're showing forth the right way. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You living right in this present wicked world, that is good. And it is doing good. Uh, whether or not the people that we're around, the people that we associate with, the people that see our light, whether or not they're changed by that, that's up to them. But they are seeing that light as we try to live the right way. And that in itself is a good thing, and we need to keep it up. Do not imagine that what you're doing is not worth it. It's not doing any good. In First Thessalonians chapter 1, where 
Ethan read for us earlier. Notice uh, where these brethren in Thessalonica were. Ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. This was a tough place. Uh, the church in Thessalonica was born in the midst of persecution. We can actually read about that in Acts chapter 17. The Apostle Paul came to Thessalonica and immediately the way of truth was opposed there in Thessalonica. So we know that this was a, a, a place where Christians became Christians in the face of persecution. What did they do? Well, they didn't say, uh, I just don't think it'll do any good. We might as well give up. It's not going to do any good in this city. We're not going to be very successful here. It won't do any good. No use even trying. No, notice... He said, you, be, you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Here are these Christians who became Christians in the face of intense persecution, and who might have said, well, I just don't think it'll do any good. But they kept on keeping on. And the fact of the matter is that their influence spread the gospel all throughout that, that area of the world. They were very effective. It did do good. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning verse 6, Paul says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Notice, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. How can we say that it won't do any good when the expression is used, we are laborers together with God. If we're laboring together with God, we're going to say that isn't doing any good? Of course it's doing good. We are laborers together with God. So, what about these? You see what we're suggesting? You let yourself start thinking a certain way. You might grow weary and quit. I can't. It's not important. It's not doing any good. All wrong thoughts. Here's another one. I've done enough already. Uh, I think this is re really a scary thought. I, I don't know anybody who would actually vocalize this concept, but maybe there are some who think this way, that I've done enough already, and I, I don't have to try very hard anymore because I have done enough already. That's just absolutely wrong thinking. And anybody who would sort of let down or give up because they imagine that they have done enough already, uh, there's a serious heart problem there and a lot wrong with that thinking process. In Luke chapter 17, verse 10, Jesus said, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. We're unprofitable servants. We've never done enough. And we need to keep striving. Even the Apostle Paul, who had done so much for the Lord, notice his mindset. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I suppose if there ever was a person who could have said, I think I've done enough now. I think I've, I think I've done enough. I can let down. I can s slow up. I can take it easy. If there ever was such a person, surely it was the Apostle Paul. And yet he didn't, did he? He kept pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. He did, he did not imagine, I have already apprehended, I have got it done, I've got my ticket punched. He didn't think that way, and we can't think that way either. Another thought that might produce 
weariness is just the idea, well, I, I just need a little break. I need some rest. You know, we live in the, in the age of leisure time. Uh, uh, we can take time off. We can take vacations. Uh, uh, and actually, we've sort of grown to expect that, you know. Uh, I, I need some time off. Uh, even our work week, you know, uh, five days. I, I, I don't expect to work more than five days a week, and I expect to have my weekends free, and uh, I, I just need some time. You know, I need, I need some time to rest. It's interesting, I think, if, 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 if our great-grandfathers could have seen our work schedules and then hear us complain about having to work too hard, I think they'd probably have a fit. They, they, they'd probably take a stick and, and beat us if, if we're complaining about having to work too hard in comparison to what they had to do. They didn't have days off, and, and they didn't have vacations to go on, and, and five days a week w- would have been a luxury to them. Uh, we're kind of spoiled to expect our leisure, aren't we? Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing that we have such leisure. We should be grateful that we're blessed in, in, to have time at our disposal. But let us never imagine that spiritually we can think that way, that we need a break, that we, we need a little time off. In Hebrews chapter 4, Beginning verse 9, the Hebrew writer says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The Hebrew writer says you're not to the point of rest yet. There is a rest for the people of God, but you need to work now so that you can have that rest then. It's not a time to rest now. Uh, I think all of us as Christians need to really take that to heart. This is not the time to be resting. This is the time to be working. The rest is there, a promised reward for the faithful. But our time for rest is not now. Uh, the thing we need to be doing right now is working hard. In Second Peter chapter 3, uh, beginning verse 11, seeing then that these things shall be dissolved. What matter of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Notice, looking and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord. That's a King James expression that probably is, uh, we don't grasp very good. But if, if we're going to put that in maybe modern terminology, looking for and hasting unto, we would probably say tirelessly anticipating the coming of the day of God tirelessly anticipating. That means we're not going to sit down and rest. We're not going to take it easy. We're going to keep working hard in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. You don't need a break right now. You know, I was saying a minute ago, what what would our forefathers think if we complained about having to work too hard? They'd laugh at us, wouldn't they? Or maybe even get mad at us. What do you think former Christians, Christians of a former generation would think of us if we complained that we had work, were working too hard spiritually. I think they'd probably get a laugh at that too. Be insulted uh, by us for suggesting that we've worked too hard and need to rest a little from our labors when we haven't done anything in comparison to the kind of things that they did. We do not need rest right now. We need work. The rest is to come later on. Finally, what if someone said, well, I'm just going to quit. I'm, going to, I'm tired and I'm thinking about giving up. And the reason being is I'm just not sure it's worth it. Of all the things that we've discussed here this morning, my guess is that this is the, the saddest and 
and perhaps the most serious misconception of all. Um, I think anybody who develops this mentality probably certainly will quit if they imagine that being a Christian is not really worth it. You know, any job uh, that you have to do, if you if you begin to think, I just don't think it's worth it, then you 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 almost certainly will give it. Let's say, for instance, I'm I'm not a very good gardener. Uh, and one of the reasons that I never was a very successful gardener is that uh, when the weeds began to creep up in the garden, I'd go out there maybe the first time and hoe down the row, you know, and try to get the weeds out. But then, you know, those weeds come right back, you know, and, and, and in a few days there it is again. And I, and I would develop the mentality, I just don't think it's worth it. I know there are some beans to get here or some corn to get here, but I'm just not sure it's worth it. I'm just have to do this over and over and over again. I, and what I usually, and this is why I'm not a good gardener, what I would usually do is I'd give up. I just don't think it's worth it. You know, it's too much work for the, for the return on investment. And so I would quit. I think anybody who develops mentality about any task, if you don't think it's worth it, you probably will give up. That's why we cannot possibly allow ourselves to think that way about our spiritual service to God. It is definitely worth it, and we need to keep it up. Remember the famous words of the Apostle Paul as he anticipated his death? We think that he probably penned these words just shortly before he was executed for being uh, a faithful Christian. He said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. The Apostle Paul believed it was worth it. He was about to give his life for the cause, but he believed it was worth it. That crown of righteousness laid up. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he says, For which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Uh, he was not ashamed, and he was not going to give up. Romans chapter 8, verse 8, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul, you're having some sufferings? You're going through some hard times? Are you tired? You're weary? You think about giving up? No. He said, whatever we're suffering in this present time, not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Finally, the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 10, verse 36, you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Do you see that the Lord realized this potential danger of being weary and giving up? Do you see that he thoroughly encouraged us to keep on keeping on? So, just as we suggested at the start, how you think, your mental attitude to what you're doing, whatever it is that you're doing, is going to have a big impact on how successful you are in that endeavor, whatever it is. If it's your work on the job, if it's your school work, if it's some physical exercise that you're doing, whatever it is you're doing, your mental outlook dramatically affects the outcome of, of your endeavor. And that is absolutely true spiritually as well. And for that reason, these kind of thoughts might lead to the weariness in well-doing that would cause us to give up. And we simply can't afford uh, to let that happen. What about your situation this morning? Are you a Christian who has grown weary in well-doing? And maybe you have let down and quit trying? Uh, if that's the case, you need to come back to the Lord in repentance, confession, prayer. Get started again. It happens. We understand it happens to Christians that they grow weary and let down. 
But it's certainly worth it to be faithful in God's service. And he promises there will be a rest that we can't even fully contemplate. There is a rest for the righteous if we'll be faithful to him uh, until death. So if you're a Christian who's not been faithful to the Lord, we beg you to come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If you're not a Christian yet, you need to get started on that on that journey. Having heard the truth and believing it, will you repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins? If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.